is Australia. This fucking language. Let there be a thousand blossoms bloom as far as I'm concerned. But I ain't spending any time on it. Don't stop wearing the Speedos. You're listening to Decode, the Batuta Advocates podcast series for those Australians who have tuned out or never tuned in to the dark arts of politics. It's called being, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult. Hello and welcome to Decode, the Batuta Advocates political podcast series where we dissect, dive into and try and wrap our heads around all the things that go on in the world of politics. We do talk a lot about federal politics, but today we're going to talk about state politics because there's a big election coming up down in Sydney. I'm joined from someone who is down there in Sydney. It's the ever trustworthy Leslie Burley, how are you? Mate, I'm fucking cold, but I'm happy to be here. It is a chilly 26 degrees today, so I've got my maroons scarf on. Mm. I borrowed a puffer jacket from my uncle who lives down here, and look, I'm just going to do my best. Look, at least there's a little bit more going on than Canberra, so I'm sure you'll find some things to do in between. Dior Dave joins me in the studio here at Desert Rock FM. You're looking well, Dave. Are you feeling well? You're going well? Thank you, Wendell. I was feeling great coming into this and just hearing that news about the frost down in Sydney just mm. really makes me even more happy to be in the beautiful Batuta. Yeah, really chilly. Stay stay warm, Les, and stay safe. Now, we have spoken a little bit about state politics over the last couple of months, as regular listeners might know. There is a state election coming up down there on the 25th of March in Sydney. Now, as much as we talk shit about Sydney and we love talking shit about Sydney, it is the biggest city in Australia. New South Wales is the biggest state. It's a richest state. It's full of the most fuckwits in Australia, full of the shittest sporting teams. So it is worth us digging into what's going to happen there in terms of their government, in terms of the people who run the state. Um, you might say there are other people who run the state outside of the government, but the actual figureheads who pass the laws for other people are in charge of running the state. So we're going to talk about what is happening down there, who's saying what and how they're saying it and what people maybe can expect over the next couple of weeks. We do have some listeners from down there in Sydney. Hopefully we can discuss some of the major issues that are happening. But before we get into it, we've got our quote of the week, clanger or banger. It is from the realm of state politics. I thought I'd keep in theme. And look, it is from a little while ago. It's from nearly 10 days ago now, but it kind of didn't get a lot of traction and it really made me laugh. So I thought I'd throw it at you guys. New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet, the incumbent, he was speaking on FM radio, trying to relate to the average Sydney cider, and he faced a question from Erin Molan, who asked, are you a vapour Premier? He laughed and he said, I have the occasional one, yeah. Erin then asked Perrottet, what's your flavour? To which he replied, mixed fruit. Now, I ask you guys, <laughs> clanger or banger from the Premier? i got to pick my jaw off the floor before I figure out whether that's a clanger or a banger. What? Yeah, Big Dom loves a vape. Very partial to a vape, apparently. 
This, to me, signals that they're really chasing votes pretty hard. Um, We had Dom on recently. Didn't know about the vaping obsession, otherwise we would have asked him. But, yeah, this, to me, signals that they're really going above and beyond trying to win some votes, and they're quite concerned. There is a big red flag in there, because I think Dom had me in the first half there, not going to lie. I can, Mm -hmm. you know, be won over by a fellow vapor. Mm -hmm. But then coming out and saying, my favourite flavour is mixed fruit. That just really gives off politician vibes of mm. I am not having a say either way of what I like. I'm going to pick the most say. general term I can. And I wanted to ask you about that, Dave, as a man who can be allegedly partial to a vape or two. Mixed fruit, not that common a flavour, I don't think. Down at the Free Choice Tobacconist on the Batuta Main Road, yeah. I have not seen that one advertised as available. I mean, what kind of fruits go in there? Would you say that that's kind of the answer you might expect from someone who doesn't actually vape at all? Yeah. I also, it's an interesting one because if I were him, I wouldn't be trying to appeal to grade 10 students who sell things in bathrooms at high schools. Like that is the key demographic of the vapor and they can't vote yet. So good luck. Power to them. Could be a long-term strategy plan for him, you know, getting the kids while they're young, getting them early. It is true. Just like the vape industry, one may argue, get in young so they are a voter and a vapor for life. Dom the vapor. Now, we should move along. Uh, I thought just do a quick rundown of what is actually the lay of the land down there in Sydney and New South Wales for listeners who are here in Queensland outside and not quite aware of what goes on down there. The Liberal government in New South Wales is actually the only other state Liberal government, state or territory Liberal government outside of Tasmania. So if they lose in a couple of weeks to the Labor Party, then Tasmania will be the only ones left standing and there will be no mainland state or territory governments, which is an interesting fact. They've been in power, the New South Wales Liberals, for the last 12 years. Quick rundown of the characters who were there. Dominic Perrottet, he's taken over from Gladys Berejiklian, who resigned because uh, she just got sick of the job, just fed up, had a couple of bad breakups, just decided heart wasn't really in it anymore. I believe you're going to touch on that a little bit later on in the show, Bad breakups, absolutely. Yep, Yep. so that, that was her. She resigned, Dom took over. She took over from a guy called Mike Baird, who um, brought in lockout laws, Mm. uh, banned the Greyhounds, then overturned the ban on the Greyhounds, then resigned because he wanted to spend time with his family, then took a job with NAB on nearly a million bucks a year. He took over from Barry O'Farrell, who resigned because of a bottle of wine that he was gifted and nothing else. There was nothing else there. It was just this one bottle of wine, which was kind of a breach of... A different um, time. Yeah, Mm. a breach of his conduct conditions there. So he resigned. So that's basically the four premiers that we've had in New South Wales over the last 12 years. And um, Dominic Perrottet is trying to resist this Labor wave that I just mentioned there. So it's an interesting one. Well, to get the win, to ride the wave to forming government, Labor needs to pick up nine seats. But if neither party can get to 47 seats, the crossbench is going to determine the next premier. The coalition won 48 out of the 93 seats at the 2019 election to form a narrow majority. That was after, I would say, one of the all-time bed shits from yep. the Labor Party. The <laughs> unlosable election, I think it was dubbed. Mm, yeah. They've um, had a few of those. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll see what they got up their sleeve this time. 
But this narrow majority has since fallen to 45, thanks to by-elections and MPs moving to the crossbench. Yeah, the numbers on it are a bit funny because Labor picked up a big bigger by-election and there was like a seat redistribution as well. So it's actually on a knife edge and there are nine coalition seats that are held on two by margins of 6.3% or less against Labor. So they have at the moment a majority of one. So yeah, it's, it's very fine. And um, experts are saying that we might not know who will be the Premier on the night of the election. It could be one of those ones that drag out. And then they have to kind of deal with whoever wins, whether it's these minor parties. Alex Greenwich holds a seat of Sydney. There's some teals that are running in Lane Cove, Manly, North Shorter, Pittwater and Wallandilly. All on the North Shore there, apart from Wallandilly, which is out Western Sydney, kind of Campbelltown area, I believe. And um, One Nation are also going to run in twice as many seats as they did in the last election, just trying to pick up frustrated voters as they normally do. Mark Latham is currently in there with another bloke as well. So they're kind of the fringe parties that are on the edge that are trying to pick up some seats. be interesting to see if the fringe parties have the same success as the last federal election or whether that was just a more federal thing and blowback against Mr Scotty. The other thing to note in terms of like the actual seats and bits and pieces is Chris Minns, who is the leader of the opposition, he's the leader of the Labor Party, he actually only holds his seat on a minuscule margin of 0.1% and is going up against a Liberal guy called Craig Chung. So there's actually a chance Labor could win this election or they could form a minority or majority government if they get it done on the 25th of March and potentially not have the guy who was their opposition Mm. leader leading the campaign as the Premier. So that could be an interesting one. The other thing to note is polls. They've been pretty much flat out like 52% to 47.5 or 47%. It's been consistently about 5 to 6% between them. Um, It's narrowed a little bit, like really slightly over the last couple of months. So they're predicting it to be quite mm. tight coming in. But all in Labor's favour by that yes. small margin yes, as sorry. well. Yeah, yeah. Labor's yeah. been leading the polls pretty much the whole time, but they led the polls by heaps into the previous election in 2019. And as Dave mentioned, one of the great bedshits with the uh, opposition leader at the time, Mr Michael Daly, going to a pub and saying some racist shit on the eve of an election. So, yeah, so the Labor Party, they have a, a slight majority, you could say. They have a lead in the polls, their favourites. It's what a lot of people seem to be saying. But I'm quite curious to know what people down in Sydney and New South Wales actually think of the Labor Party and whether they're going to vote in the interest of the Labor Party, what kind of a standing the opposition leader has, because obviously you have to have a bit of a standing, right? Like Scott Morrison, I think at the federal election, there was a lot of blowback against him because he was such an unpopular character. But Dominic Perrottet, it's interesting to know whether there is that blowback against him, whether people hate him enough to vote against him or whether the Labor Party has some really strong policy positions or whether the opposition leader Chris Minns is a really strong character and people feel inclined to vote him. So I went on a little experiment and I went and asked some mates that I have from down in New South Wales and Sydney and I basically asked them all the same question and I said, what do people know about opposition leader Chris Minns and what do people know about his policies? I'm going to throw some answers at you guys really quickly. One mate who lives in Sydney but is from regional New South Wales, a place called Warren, he gave me perhaps the most nuanced answer I got from anybody down there. He said, I know Chris Minns plays the guitar. He also knows the correct way to refer to ACDC, which I fucking respect. 
I don't know anything about his policies. I do know that he is very critical of the existing government around health workers and teachers. Interesting perspective. Mm. 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 Well, mm. if we do see a Labour win, I think this guitar could be, you know, framed and put mm. up on his wall and maybe brought out at the next election campaign as well. And if he does rise to power, will we see a bit of a Bill Clinton moment? You're going to get the axe speech? out on stage. He could. We are the champions. Maybe he shreds a guitar solo or something like that to celebrate. I have the tiger. There's definitely going to be some ACDC as he walks out to that podium. You know it. Yeah, a bit of thunderstruck. That could be mad. I asked another friend who lives in Sydney but also comes from regional New South Wales who said, ha, 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 would you believe it? I would not know a single thing about the man. Had to Google him. Promising for Chris Minns mm. there. Um, reassuring, reassuring. A friend from Newey, when I asked her, said, ha, 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 not going to lie. I've heard his name and I know his labour, but that's the extent of it. Laughing, crying emoji. Uh, I messaged a mate who does live in regional New South Wales. Uh, I know Newcastle technically is regional New South Wales, but a, a small country town called Kyogle, um, which is near Nimbin. I asked him that question about Chris Minns, and he responded by saying, ha, 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 good thanks, yourself, and then didn't say anything <laughs> else. Um, so he Did he offer you some vapes, the, the good old Kyogle uh, <laughs> Book up there. They're very much analog and very much organic vapes in there in Kyogle. And then finally, a mate from Wollongong said, I'm not sure if this is the answer what you're looking for, but I don't know who that is nor what policies he has. So that's interesting. Those are a a lot of people who kind of range from the age of, say, 20 to 30. Some live in the city, some live in regional areas. But that was the general consensus on Chris Minns, according to people roughly in our age bracket there. So Mm. I think that segues nicely into your segment, Leslie, about who are these blokes that are running for the premiership in New South Wales. Yeah, look, the thing is, just like your mates who interviewed, I also don't know too much about these two blokes, especially Chris um, New South Wales politics obviously is not particularly popular here in Batuta, mm. but by the sounds of things, it's not too popular in New South Wales either. So I've done some digging and I've got a rap sheet on both of them and we're going to start with the current Premier, Dominic Perrottet. So at 40 years old, he's the fresh up-and-comer of Premiers in Australia He's had seven kids, though, so emotionally he's probably closer to 75, (laughs) definitely financially. Uh, He's known for his devout faith and is part of the liberal right faction. And before being Premier, he was the Treasurer and Deputy Premier of New South Wales. Mm. Funny little story, blokes. One day back in 2021, I was travelling through a little place near our way in Batuta called Thargaminda, in channel country and i was staying at the beautiful oasis motel just having a little lie down watching the news lovely part of the world lovely part of the world to see a woman in crisis on the television turn the sound on and gladys berejiklian is uh yeah like you said resigning it turned out she had a secret relationship with another politician Daryl Maguire, and the New South Wales ICAC was well and truly coming for her. Poor old hot mess, Gladys. Yeah, look, guys, I don't know about you. I know I've had I've had mm-hmm. some shit breakups, but I've never had one that was televised and caused me to resign and also that was investigated. So, look, mm-hmm. it was a grim time. But in comes Dominic Perrottet. While fans of Gladys are laying 
wreaths of flowers at her office. That's not even a joke. That was real. Dominic Perrottet swoops in to save the day. And this all happened in the middle of COVID mm. as well. Remember that thing? Yeah, it rings a bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, haven't heard that word in a while. We this was it. peak COVID mm. time. And Gladys, and, you know, she was yep. popular at the time. Yeah, it seemed to be general perception, right? That it was like, oh, poor Gladys. Yes, Is it a crime has, to love too much, you know? Yeah. Has, <laughs> yeah, she has engaged in corruption, but generally she was trying to keep a handle on COVID and yeah. um, she got done by this fucking dodgy bloke called Daryl. And um, There were definitely a few hashtag girl boss moments on socials in defense of her, but also hashtag corruption. So <laughs> Look, we left. <laughs> having your personal texts uh, to a loved one or someone you are in a relationship with leaked yep. and then read out in front of everybody has to be one of the most awful moments, I reckon. Yeah, I think maybe she should have gone down the same path of her former lover, Daryl Maguire, and accidentally run over her phones with the tractor like he did. That could have <laughs> saved her a bit of embarrassment. To be fair, that happens to me all the time. Every few months, I'm just I'm losing phones underneath mm. tractors, you know. Not just my phone, vapes as well. The amount of vapes I've lost oh underneath gosh. tractors. Serious yep. bummer. It's an epidemic. So Hot Mess Gladys was out and um, Big Dom comes in. Big Dom comes in and he's like, COVID is not a thing. Everyone calm down. Uh, and he just starts scrapping restrictions left, right and centre. He's opening up these clubs. He's like, isolation doesn't matter anymore. Don't care about masks. Boom, boom, boom. That over a period of several months. And it was quite a shift. People were really like, whoa, all right, this guy's really coming in. There is saying um, what he wants to say. There's a lot of theories I've heard about that, that we went from Gladys Berejiklian, someone who is not a mother, has no children, to someone who has seven children. I think mm -hmm. maybe the opening of schools might have been a bit personally motivated by Dom just to say, I need these kids out of the house. Let's get everything back to normal. I need I my, my private vape time back. Exactly, exactly. He was missing <laughs> that mixed fruit. <laughs> Got to say, you got to give credit to the man. At the time, a lot of people were panning him, calling him let it rip Dom and carrying on like it was the end of days. History smiles pretty fondly upon his decision to let it rip, I think. He let it rip and things opened back up and within, you know, uh, five, six months, everything was as back to normal as it can be with COVID still lingering around, even though we've beat it. But History smiles on Dom quite well, I think. Um, he was getting, yeah, he was getting lit up at the time, but. And there definitely will be business owners who vote because of those choices as well. He is an interesting guy because he is known for being a conservative. Um, he's, you know, in that classic liberal, bigger liberal way. He's pro-free speech. He's a libertarian and a traditionalist, aka work hard, spend your money. The way you want to spend it, your money is yours, da 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 da. But make sure you have a nuclear family to spend it on. But he is actually the premier who's also known for advocating for gambling reform, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a bit. Mm. He's pitching a kids' future fund, which is kind of like super for children for when they turn into adults. He signed the commitment to a voice for parliament. He expanded the Raptor Crime Squad, which 
terrifying. I don't even know how to picture. They what are. That is. They are terrifying. If you're a fan of drill music, you'll be familiar with Raptor as well. You know, mm. if you listen to any one for Hooligan Hefts, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Big presence in Western Sydney. He has been on the receiving end of quite a few strikes. The trains, famously in Sydney just don't run half the time, I Mm. hear, and teachers have not been happy either. And the nurses, I don't think, have actually striked, but they have threatened, you know, action against the current boss, which is technically him because of the way the health system works. Healthcare workers and teachers hate this man. They do not like him. They want more money. They want more rights Mm. and trained drivers as well. So... But yeah, we'll I think I think you're. A, it's an interesting point you raise there. He kind of isn't pigeonholeable. Like he has different no. perspectives on different things, and he has. He's also um, moved quickly to bring in net zero 2050, 70% reduction by 2035, I believe. So there's some things where he's like traditionally quite conservative. Some things where he's traditionally quite progressive. He's an interesting character, and um, yeah, because when he when he came in, people did kind of immediately go oh, my gosh, okay, this really conservative Christian man is coming in. But he has actually uh, played against some of those stereotypes I think pretty clearly. Yeah, maybe just his belief in the Lord isn't as strong in his belief in himself keeping his job and winning an election. Mm-hmm. So we'll mm-hmm. see how that goes. When you've got seven children to feed, like <laughs> you've got to look at those priorities. Yeah. I think the, the kids' future fund, that might have been also a bit personally motivated rather than for the good Absolutely. of the entire state. Was that was that just his family that he rolled out at the yeah, Liberal launch? Yeah, all yeah, those 30-something yeah. kids, that was all his cousins, nephews, everything like that? Yeah. They've budgeted about $3 million for just his family. Um, He's going to be raking in the big bucks. So if people aren't familiar with it, it's basically if – a uh, family tips in $400 to a kid's super fund, similar to like college funds in the US, then the government will also tip in $400. But, you know, plenty of people have also said if you have $400 to be tipping in and you don't need that for bills or food or electricity or anything like that, then you're in an okay position and that there's not that many people who can afford to just chuck that kind of money into a yeah. super fund and just not touch it and leave it there. But he's running against uh, Zaddy. Chris Mintz, noted good-looking rooster. Yeah, so like you said, we don't know much about him, so I've done my best. Other than he's quite easy on the eye. Yeah, I mean, if that's your type, mate, then, <laughs> you know, power to him. He doesn't uh, He doesn't quite have the height on his side like Dom does, though. I know that's a big factor for a lot of people. He hasn't got the height. He has got a whole two years on Dom. He's 43, so also pretty pretty young lad as far as politicians go but our state politicians in Australia are actually getting younger and younger at Mm. the moment so like you said he is the leader of the opposition aka leader of New South Wales Labor and he has been since June 2021 so a few months ahead of Dominic Perrottet he is another Sydney boy through and through he did fun fact spend some time at an Ivy League school in Princeton to get a master's in public policy which is actually probably quite useful and maybe more politicians should do that Mm. uh he has three kids as well so also a family man like you said zaddy chris and he has a background in charity and youth mental health work before he was a politician he bounced around a little bit politically he was a local councillor for the council of hertzville he was even deputy mayor that way but he only did that for a year and then he left 
and then he was assistant secretary of the Labour Party, and then he joined New South Wales Parliament. So he's done a little bit of everything politically except for federal politics. Yeah, right. Down there in that um, kind of not quite shire, but the, that South mm. Sydney area, Hertzville, Cogra, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, similar to Dom as well. He is part of the Labour right faction. So it's actually two right faction people facing each other. Um, he's pushed for less union power in the party, which is a very, you know, right faction Labour thing to do. He wants more ordinary members to feel like they're heard and unions to have less weight. He has come out for gambling reform, but it took a little bit of massaging and feedback from people for him to get there. And his whole campaign is built around the idea of rebuilding New South Wales in his own words. It really feels like Labor has taken a page from the Liberal Party playbook where they're kind of like pushing this economic fear idea when you go on their website and to read their policies it's very like post-covid no one has money you got locked down for the second longest in australia businesses are struggling we're the ones that will fix the money fix corruption fix debt and put money back in your pockets Mm, it's a weird world we're kind of finding ourselves in, isn't it, where we've got Labor governments who are saying we're good economic managers and then you've got guys like Dom Peraday pushing more progressive things like gambling reform, um, net zero, 2035, that sort of stuff. Strange. Yeah, and the other thing that Mr Minns is pushing is extending COVID financial support. Look, I don't know if that's going to be a huge seller. Like if you said that maybe six months ago, or 12 mm. months ago, but I think it really feels like the country is starting to move on from that idea of getting money from the government still due to COVID. Um, I could be wrong, but that's the general vibe that I get from people at the moment. He is pushing for more schools to be built and some social housing to be built. I'm sure the Greens would say they probably need to do more in that area and other than that he's been playing guitar on fm breakfast and that is most of what i could dig up mm, well you know what they say riffs speak louder than words very good deal very good yeah get the guitar out he as i said i look i've made a point of it um i think he's quite a good looking guy i think he could borrow a page from peter malinowskis's book down there in south australia i remember just before an election some photos of him in speedos uh, made their way around the media and he was obviously looking really good. And, I mean, that, I think that's a smart political play not far out from an election. I think Chris Minns probably has um, a similar repertoire. I think maybe they should consider making him a little bit more recognisable, a little bit more well-known through some of that mm. kind of campaigning. Yeah, I just think if you look back, you know, you've got Dominique Perrottet, you've got Gladys Berejiklian. and there's a bit of mystique and intrigue about those names. They sound mm. almost a little bit foreign, a little bit exotic. When you've got Chris Minns, two syllables, you need kind of something else behind you to really get yourself out there and get people to remember your name. Yeah, because at the moment, yeah, sitting back and not doing too much and just hoping everyone is angry enough at the government that they're going to vote for you. I don't know if that's the best kind of political play, really. I don't know if people are angry enough or, if, you know, it, it's just so hard to get a gauge on where people are at with all these mm. kinds of things. People tend to just vote for the incumbent government unless they've got a strong reason to vote against them. And, um, yeah, Chris Minzy probably sounds like he has to step it up a little bit. Yeah, the vote for us because the other guys a shit argument worked well with federal politics because Scott Morrison's personal reputation 
was so low. People really, really didn't like him nationally. And I just don't think that's the same for Dominic Perite. There are people who don't like him, but the level of scrutiny that he's faced is not the same as Scott Morrison. Mm. You know, the fact that he wore a Nazi costume <laughs> and that scandal happened only like, what, one month, two months ago? And it's kind of already out of the noose cycle. Yeah. If that was Scott Morrison, I feel like, you know, on the Twitter universe, on certain, you know, left-leaning news spaces, that joke would still be running over and over and over again about him. And it it just don't, I just don't think it's gained traction in the same way that, you know, Scott Morrison in a Hawaiian shirt did. So Yeah, no, I fully agree. That seems to be the perception of the vibe down there that I have as well and speaking to a few people. I think there were polls out at the time just shortly after the Nazi dress-up thing that the majority of people were just like, meh, I don't, like, it doesn't bother me that much. Like, not a great look, but it's not going to make me not vote for him or whatever. And that kind of segues us into the final bit of this episode, which is just about the big kind of policy talking points for both sides. That Nazi outfit revelation came out suspiciously when uh. Mr. Perrottet revealed he would be going after the pokies in New South Wales. So this is a big deal. He's uh, revealed that he wants to basically make all of the poker machines in New South Wales cashless by 2028, and he wants to introduce things like mandatory self-imposed limits, i.e. I'm only going to spend 100 bucks on the pokies tonight, cannot spend any more, cannot go and get the credit card and withdraw from an ATM and blow through another couple of grand. He wants to bring in cooling-off periods, breaks in play, and prohibiting the transfer of funds from credit cards as well. So basically a whole raft of things to stop problems gambling. New South Wales is the problem gambling capital of the country. Uh, more poker machines than any other state and territory in Australia. Heaps of RSLs and clubs are filled oh, yeah. up with like, As an outsider, when I do travel around Sydney, I have to admit seeing the Dragon Link and mm. you know all of that, it's not something that is common to me from, you know, bloody backwater Queensland up here so it, it is it is a culture shock and they um, wonder why they don't have a nightlife it's just because uh, yeah. hospitality venues can get by on people losing thousands of dollars on the pokies so he came out he says he's cracking down on that by 2028 all these rules are going to be in place that caused clubs New South Wales who are basically the representatives of all the pubs and clubs who have poker machines to scream blue murder that uh, Nazi photo came out at the time mm. um, the previous gaming minister Victor Dominello came out this week and spoke about all of the pressure that was put on him when he previously tried to bring in this policy so it's been something that's been floated about for the last couple of years down in New South Wales he basically got tapped on the shoulder and was like, time to go, buddy. Perrottet came out, followed it up a little while after, and he's faced huge, huge backlash. Anyone who's spoken out about it in terms of like independent members says they've seen like big advertising in local RSLs and pubs and clubs being like, this person is going to take away 50 jobs. She's going to take millions of dollars out of the local economy and ruin your local bowling club. So there's been a huge concerted effort from the gambling lobby in New South Wales to push back against this policy so that kind of seems to make it probably the biggest policy of this new south wales election um victor dominello that former gaming minister said that new south wales's um, gaming lobby is like the nra and that's their blind spot 
So I thought that was an interesting quote from him. So that that's seems a to banger be, of mm. a quote. That is a banger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said that's the thing that people just people in New South Wales don't realise that it's such a problem similar to you know Americans with gun control. Um, but Mins hasn't really offered up too much. He's offering a trial of 500 machines across the state and then he'll see what happens from there. New South Wales Labor traditionally has a strong affiliation with RSLs and bowling clubs um, Mm -hmm. that get heaps of revenue from poker machines. So obviously in terms of his base and um, power brokers within the Labor Party, he's been quite hesitant to commit to that but has had to commit to something because Dominic Perrottet has made such a big point of it. It's interesting that a Liberal Party politician has come out on what is a somewhat progressive policy and (laughs) the Labor Party are potentially going to earn or retain conservative votes because of this policy that the Liberal Party are putting forward. It just feels like a reverse in what we know about these parties. It's so bizarre. But you're right, it's because the Labor Party are just so deeply tied to things like the RSL and... You know, I just I can't believe it. It's it is. It's a strange. It's a strange, strange situation we find ourselves in, where these roles have been reversed. It's a bit similar on climate change as well. Um, the coalition they've come out. I mentioned earlier, seventy percent reduction in emissions by twenty thirty five, net zero by twenty fifty. They're chucking a couple of billion dollars into a clean energy super fund, which I'm always dodgy on. Like that's that's real pork barreling areas. I reckon like. Huge amounts of money get chewed up in consulting and different companies get money to help themselves build a, you know, a, a hydrogen plant, which essentially is going to make them huge amounts of money that the state invests in. Housing is a similar one as well. Dom has previously come out and he's banned rental bidding, which is a massive thing in Sydney where you basically uh, see a property advertised for 750 but heaps of other people see it for 750 so you've got to offer 800 850 Then you hear that the other person's offered 870 so you've got to come back with 890 So he's banned that. Hitting out at landlords. Tolls is the other one, Dave, you were speaking about. Yeah, well, Chris Minns and the Labor Party have been pretty strong basically since he came to power um, a while ago, just saying how Sydney is apparently the most tolled city on earth. And, you know, after one or two trips there, driving from a few suburbs to another few suburbs, you really find it out. You get slapped mm. with, you know, maybe More 10 bucks each way. Exactly. Mm. You're better off taking the plane. Um, but Labor is planning to cap the weekly toll bill for Sydney siders uh, at $60 if it's elected. The cap would benefit apparently 51,000 drivers per week and would commence on January the 1st, 2024. So not for a little while, but it would run for two years. In another little weird one that Labor are trying to win over motorists with, they've promised to give back one demerit point if you have a clean driving record over 12 months, which I don't know how many votes that'll win over or how many people that's really going to please. It feels just like something where people go, oh, yeah, all right, sure, if you yeah. say so. Yeah, not feels a, big a little bit point. super nanny. You know, you've been put in the naughty corner and you can come back. <laughs> Isn't it wild that they're going to cap tolls at 60 bucks? Like that's like an affordable price for tolls to drive into the city or drive wherever you need to each day? Yeah, I also question the fact that it benefits 51000 People, how many people are in Sydney alone? Uh, yeah, nearly yeah. five, just <laughs> over. <laughs> so it is interesting whether maybe those 51,000 people are in very strategic seats and they've done the research on which suburbs are told the most. Mm. But I question the reach 
of this if it's only 51,000 people. That's less than the $3 million super cap amount of people. So it's not many voters. Yeah, and it does seem like, especially for Labor, all the emphasis is being put into this rather than, obviously, this is a big issue for Sydney siders, but there isn't too much emphasis being put onto improving the public transport. I did see that Chris Minns promised to have all the buses around Sydney be zero emissions, but didn't really talk about improving the routes or the times or the prices of that. But the Liberals have also announced a scheme that is planning to help drivers. They've said that there'll be a rebate on tolls so that they can earn back 40% up to $750 a year, which just kind of seems like you're lowering tolls with extra steps. It just seems to be going on the back end of it yeah. rather than the front end. Mm. Yeah, that's it's yeah. all washy. Yeah, it all does seem pretty wishy-washy. It seems like poker machines seems to be one of the big policies that's getting a lot of talking points. And you look, you don't know if that's because of favourable media coverage and we're not hearing that much about it. We ourselves don't spend too much time on, on New South Wales state politics or Sydney-based issues. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to know if there's stuff that we're missing. But, yeah, it doesn't seem like a major, major state election in terms of issues outside of pokies and a few yeah. bits and pieces here and there. It does seem weird. Like, I vaguely remember from last time they had an election down there that they didn't really attack these big ideas like they have at the federal level, like cost of living and like climate change. If I remember correctly, the last election was pretty much fought over footy stadiums and pill testing, mm. which again seems to be a little bit of a niche issue. But yeah, this time I guess it's the pokies room's turn. Yeah, pokey room and people promising that they're not going to be corrupt this time around, that all the corruption's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. I wonder if we will hear that there's been a heap of pork barreling going on, but not huge amounts of money being spent by the looks of it. Like there's obviously the obligatory stuff on different road projects and infrastructure projects, but nowhere near as much as all the pork barreling that we have heard about over the last couple of years. But maybe we just have to wait until the dust has settled to find all that out. So yeah, that's it's kind of the lay of the land down there from what we can gather um, from a little bit of research. But yeah, that's the 25th of March. Saturday, election day, New South Wales state election to see who can be premier of the shittest state in Australia. Yep, who wants to become king of the shit? Anyway, that's it from me. You guys got anything else? Nah, I need to find somewhere warm. Yeah, fair enough. Stay stay warm, Leslie. Have fun down there if you can. Stay away from those poker machines. I'll try my best. They are everywhere. <laughs> see you later.